party people, welcome once again to the Party of One podcast, the actual play RPG podcast where the gaming table is always set for two. I'm your host as always, Jeff Storm. This week I am joined by Lucas Brown for a game of J.R. Goldberg's Sangre Mascaras, a Powered by the Apocalypse game of 1960s luchador movies. If you've listened to the show at all, you know that not only is wrestling a particular passion of mine, but I deeply, deeply love Lucha Libre and Lucha Libre movies. So to have a game that specifically emulates, you know, masked wrestlers like El Santo and Blue Demon Jr. fighting monsters is the greatest thing in the world to me. I was so excited to play this game. I think it turned out great. I think you're going to love it. Check the show notes below for more information about Sangre Mascaras. Uh, I think it's a great game. and I think you should check it out. Uh, JR also has a Kickstarter running at this moment. For Rain on a Conga Drum, a Towns Van Zandt RPG collection, a assortment of short games inspired by the music of Towns Van Zandt. You can also find a link to that in the show notes. JR is a dear friend of the show and a dear friend of mine and Jen's. We, we love JR. JR, we love you. I know you're probably listening to this. Uh, go back to Kickstarter and help make it happen. It is a good game by a good friend. I, I fully support it. Lucas is the host of The Math of You, an interview show where Lucas sits down with guests to talk about formative pieces of media and the the things, the TV, the music, the movies that made us who we are. Each episode also includes a themed cocktail, which is great. Uh, I joined Lucas for The Math of You a few months ago to talk about, of all things, the Muppets, because I don't know how often I've talked about this on Party of One, but the Muppets are hugely, hugely important to me. Um, so we talked about the Muppets. There's a Muppets-themed cocktail in the episode. It's a great discussion. We also talk, of course, about indie wrestling because we're both wrestling nerds, hence this episode. Uh, it's a great episode. I'm also going to link that in the show notes. You should go listen to that. It's great. And with all that said, let's throw it over to me in the past so that he can get started with the show. Take it past me. Thanks, future me. This week, I am sitting down with Lucas Brown. Lucas, thank you so much for coming on Party of One. You're welcome. This is a pleasure, and I am very much looking forward to it. Oh, this is going to be a blast. I'm so, so thoroughly excited. I'm excited for this game. I'm excited to play a game with you. This is going to be this is going to be a great... The fact that we've been talking for a half hour now is a sign this is going to be a great recording. <laughs> I mean, hey, I mean, when you were on my podcast as a guest, we practically derailed the conversation just at the barest mention of wrestling. So it's going to happen. I it's going to happen. Accept it. It's it's an inevitability now. I'm now realizing that I'm wearing a wrestling shirt as as we're speaking. So I feel like this is this is all worked out very well. <laughs> Perfect. So real quick before we dive in, why don't you take a moment to let the lovely listeners at home know about anything you've got going on you might want them to know about? All right. Well, I host a podcast called The Math of You. Uh, the other person on this Skype call has been a guest most recently. This is true. It's a podcast about formative media from when we were young, which is really an excuse for me to interview really interesting people, creators, writers, musicians, podcasters, about stuff they really love. The idea is it's something that you can talk about for an hour. We talk about things that are important to people's lives, their backgrounds, and really try to find commonality. Uh, you know, people who were alone, all of us together, now coming together to share in the things that we love. It's it's a it's a beautiful like it's a beautiful show. I will say I genuinely in, like it is extremely like it's wonderful to hear exactly that. Right. It's wonderful to hear one of my favorite things in the world to listen to is people be is people be like next level excited about a thing. And so like mm -hmm. I am extremely it's a, it's an extremely good opportunity to hear somebody just be like this is something that is like core to my 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 being and my person is this is this thing that I love so much. 
Yeah, and a lot of it comes from a kind of time capsule feeling of I was there too, you know? Mm -hmm. People talking about recording songs off the radio or sitting with a friend trying to work out a LucasArts point-and-click adventure puzzle for literally hours. Mm -hmm. And, like, little things like that. But then I also love episodes where I go into it with no knowledge of what we're going to talk about and just allow myself to be educated on a thing. Someone came onto the show with Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman, and I was like, all right. I'm here for that. Let's hear about it. Let's hear why it was important. Extremely good. Yeah, it's very good. Now, we are on hiatus at the moment. I've just taken my end-of-year break a little early, just scheduling and stuff. But we have 104 episodes in the can, so you're sure to find something you like. That's, that's true. You can't – I mean, you, that, I, that, you know, I, I am pro shows with deep backlogs, as I believe this will end up being like 212 or something. <laughs> so I'm always pro a long backlog. It gives you plenty of plenty of stuff to churn through. All right, so let's get into the game this week. Let's let's get, let's dive into this because I know we're both very excited. Uh, we are playing Sangre y Mascaras. Uh, it is uh, by dear friend of the show J.R. Goldberg. It is a game of heroic luchadors fighting evil monsters in the swinging sixties. It is a a love story to El Santo and the Blue Demon. It is a it is a story of specifically lucha movies. It is it is. That, you know, that very particular cultural thing that I think listeners of the show will know I'm, I'm very, very deeply, deeply connected to. I mean, literally, it was our first episode was a Lucha movie. So, like, my, my love of this of this particular concept runs deep. It's also because it's a great concept. Part of it is that everything that happens is 100% accepted. It is the definition of the yes and in improv yep. terms. Yep. Like, you can start a, a Lucha movie, have some bad guys be walking someplace, and just have them be attacked by El Santo, who just, like, beats the snot out of all of them. It's never questioned. Where did this man come from? Why is he in wrestling tights? Why is he wearing his mask? Who is he in religion? No. Nope. He's beating them. And the rest of the movie is as a result of that. He's... They're, they're, they, they're, whatever they were doing, they deserve to get beat up because Santo is beating them up. And if he weren't beating them, if the, if he's beating them up, they've done something to deserve it. It is. Because, it is. Because Santo is, is the champion of justice. Right. It is the purest distillation of like, yes, and, or even just thinking about like, in terms of wrestling, it is kayfabe in a nutshell of like, oh yeah, that's Santo. I saw him in the ring. I saw him in the ring, like fighting a Rudo. Of course he just wanders the street fighting, fighting people that do wrong. And it's also, it's it's kind of like live-action Pokemon, where mm -hmm. you're walking around, and you walk in front of someone, they get a little exclamation point over their head, they walk up to you, they state their purpose, and suddenly you're fighting. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing, and I'm very excited. So let's go ahead and go ahead and dive into it. The, the premise in a nutshell is you are going to be playing a luchador, you are going to come up against a supernatural plot, you are probably going to have to fight a monster by the end of the story. Spoiler alert. Uh, that's the story in a nutshell. But to do that, we need to know who your wrestler is. So let's dive into character creation. The first and perhaps most important question that we're going to answer here is uh, one of the two playbooks we're going to be using today. Are you a technico, which is to say a hero, a good guy, a, 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 a baby face? Or are you a rudo, a heel, a villain, a cheater, a scoundrel? Oh, let me tell you something, Holmes. We lie and we cheat and we steal. I am going to be a Rudo. Excellent. <laughs> I'm very happy. I, I have a lot of love for Rudos. I got I you know, as as someone that is that is that is that is technico to his core, I have a lot of love for a lot of love for 
we were just talking about about the fact that all of my heart for Eddie Guerrero and for cheating scoundrel Kenny Omega when he breaks out the chairs and the tables that he always ends up going through every time. <laughs> it's that Wile E. Coyote feeling. And yeah, I'm the same. I almost always play uh, like pure Paragon if I'm making any choices in video games uh, mo- or morally gray uh, mm-hmm. at the worst. I almost never play a villain kicking puppies. So I'm going to revel in this. Good. I'm excited. Um, all right. So, uh, what, tell me about your, tell me your look. Now that we know who you are, tell me your look and then walk me through your stats and how that like informs your, your character and your wrestling style and all that kind of stuff. All right. Oh, cut in. Do we want names and stuff first or? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Give me your name, pro- okay. your character's names, pronouns, and then get, talk me through your look and wrestling style. All right. So, uh, my wrestler, his name is actually named after two of my cousins. He's Piero Thibodeau. Uh, he's original. He's second generation from a French-Canadian wrestling family like the Rougeaux de Dupreys, mm-hmm. uh, although his wrestling name is El Tejon, which is the badger, because he is tenacious. Love it. Uh, his look is that he has shifty eyes. His body is a wiry body. Uh, since you've seen Paris de Silva in, uh, on TV, you know what he looks like. Yes? Yes. Okay, so yeah, very wiry, but extremely fit and athletic. And uh, what was it? Oh, his stats. All right. So he has a seven in power, which is the damage he can deal, which is a minus one. He has a 17 in tough, which is a plus two. He has an eight in psychology, which is a minus one. He uh, is 11 in charisma, which is you know, even Steven. And he's a 13 in speed, which is a plus one. So right. his so his wrestling style tends towards very fast, very effective grapples. Uh, mm-hmm. You're going to see him hitting a hitting fat. Yeah. Hitting frequently, uh, was it? Ah, saying it again, he will hit early and hit often mm-hmm. uh, because he knows that his, he, as he's a smaller wrestler, his strikes don't have the impact of a larger wrestler. So he has to hit you as many times as he can. He Makes will, perfect sense. Uh, he is an improviser. He will come up with stuff on the fly and uh, will be will be someone to watch in a match environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, your background, it sounds like you're a second generation uh, Rudo. Yes, and specifically, because we are playing in a culture that's not our own, I wanted to kind of reframe it into a culture that is my own. Okay. So, rather than, for example, and we talked about Eddie Guerrero before. Yeah. I've been recently watching a lot of older Eddie Guerrero matches for stuff we talked about in the pre-show, and I specifically focused on the characterization of Eddie Guerrero leading into Halloween Havoc 1997 versus Rey Mysterio, because that was such a crystallization of his character that it informed everything else afterwards. And in that match, Eddie is kind of seen as this defector. He's seen as this defector from this uh, Mexican style. So it's, it's said in the commentary that he wore a mask when he was in Mexico, but when he came to WCW, he took off his mask without losing it. So completely rejected that culture right. in order to take up a new one. And in that new one, despite being the scion of an extremely prestigious wrestling family, he chose to be in it only for himself. Okay. He, his win was the only thing that mattered. He still wanted to win for himself and would do anything to get there, but was sort of rejecting this previous uh, structure in which he would be allowed to win easily. He wants to win for himself. So I have uh, my character mm-hmm. uh, who... Is a, who chose the persona of El Tejon and fights under a mask because he came from a, a non-masked wrestling family. And this is him rejecting his background because in the Canadian territories, big families like the Rougeaus and the Dupreys tend to kind of run the area. You can see the yeah. same with the Hearts yep. in Calgary. Yep. It's like 
you you know, you're the boss's kid, you are at least a second tier title, if not a contender, no matter what. Right. So uh, my character wants to be recognized for his own merits and as such has a, a predisposition to being against joining. Got it. That makes that makes that makes a ton of sense. So that so then I think that that makes a ton of sense. I, I really love that's such a good like heel gimmick in and of itself is the idea of like I could be a star and like I'm actively refuting the fact that I could I could lean on this. It's this it's that great kind of like almost face like heel thing where it's like, well, that's mm. admirable, but I know you're not doing it for the right reason. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you take it from a, you know, a fantasy standpoint, this is the younger son prince who decides yeah. to go be a mercenary somewhere else. So I guess the, so then I really guess you could go. I, I could see you picking either the second generation or first generation background. Do you have connections mm. with the black market or are you specifically tied to a specific Rudo that you trained with? Uh, I'm going to say uh, the second generation because I like this idea that in a pinch he could use those connections. Okay. I like uh, that. But with a knowledge that ugh, this costs him a little bit every time it does. Yep. You know, it's that that Ronin thing where it's, yep. uh, you know, walks up to the car and he's like, I thought you left. Uh, yeah, I did. But I'm, I need this. Sorry. <laughs> I love that. I love that a whole lot. All right. So that's your background. We, we know where you came from, which is all exceptionally good. Um, now I need to know one of your Rudo moves. Um, you can either be a master of the foreign object, uh, the master of the low blow. Uh, you're you, you you've unmasked wrestlers before. You have a master, you're, you're a master of taunting, of hidden weapons, or intimidation tactics. I was really tempted by the taunt, uh, because I love, I love, like, just, like, you know, needle, the, seeing a heel needle somebody and mm -hmm. enrage them and get them. But I think that's more aimed towards a group. So I think if we're going uh, in sort of a party of one, like it's the name of the podcast. Yeah. I'm going to go with foreign object. So anything I can get my hands on is going to be a weapon. Love it. Anything I can lift specifically. So I'm going to remember that. I love oh, that's that's <laughs> like, I mean, I'm glad you're going that route because that is like, let me tell you how much I love the wrestling trope of I'm just I'm just throwing things. I don't know what I'm throwing at you, but I'm throwing things at you. It's that Dean Ambrose, uh, you've put me in a dangerous environment, which is anything where there's something not nailed down, you know. It's, <laughs> Sometimes uh, or the, where things are nailed down. Or, you know, just picture like, you know, the bed in Dead Rising where you can pick up a church pew and just plow someone with it. Yep. <laughs> I'm, I'm so, I'm, I'm so happy. And I think that might be the whole of our character. That's it. We, all right. So with that, um... Let me ask you. Okay, so now we now we set the scene, right? So El Tejon, do you have a uh a, not a base of operations per se, but like a home promotion, or are you sort of more of a more of a road warrior, journeyman type uh type trap like wrestler? Or do you have a plug a a place that you terrorize, or do you go from promotion to promotion? No, man, I'm walking that warrior's path. I'm I'm going where I'm required, where the money's good. You know, love it. I, I turn up consummate professional. I've been on the road for a while. Love it. So, yeah. So, OK, perfect. That's ex that's excellent. So I'm going to ask you, um, though, you do not have like a special friendship with this particular wrestler. Uh, you catch wind that um, you catch wind that I'm going to say a wrestler who may be a technical, maybe a Rudo. I haven't decided, but the wrestler's name is 
undeniably Father Facebreaker. Uh, <laughs> you've heard that Father Facebreaker has turned up missing, right? Like maybe uh, I'm gonna say they, that, that that he's a technico and you were booked into a match. What's your background and relationship with with Father Facebreaker? He's someone who I know previously as a stand-up guy. You know, the kind of person who would help you fix a flat tire mm -hmm. or, you know, would loan you 20 bucks to get you to the next day. He wouldn't forget about it. He was no fool. And he would hit you up for it the next day because, hey, you know, the kind of person who he sees you would say, hey, kid, you're saving your money. Yeah. And while we, I wouldn't say we were friends, the idea of him going missing and, you know, missing a deadline or missing a show is so completely alien to his character that uh, my guy couldn't help but get interested. Okay. So, yeah, so you've heard, you have this, you've heard, so you, so there's this element, yeah, there's this idea that there's no way he would go missing, and mm. yet nobody's heard from him, which brings you, you know, to, you're in, uh, we'll call it, uh, we'll call it Runnel City, uh, you're in Runnel City, <laughs> um, you're here for like a tiny little show. You were supposed to fight Father Facebreaker kind of early on the card, not not the main event. And yet he has gone completely missing. Are how are you are you actively looking into it or are you kind of letting things take shape before you before you start to pursue it? Like what is what is your reaction to this person that has always kind of had your back, even if you would then call in that favor later, like. What's what is what do you do when you catch this news? Somebody tells you, you know, you get to the show, the promoter pulls you aside and's like, Father Facebreaker's no showing, so we're gonna put you in the battle royal instead. Well, I think I don't want to seem overtly interested, you know, but mm -hmm. I am asking questions. I wanna be, you know, I'm kinda of touching you, hey, when's the last time somebody saw him? You know, when you 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 know, find the people who ride with him, find his road buddies. And be like, okay, well, so he came with you. And did he say anything? Did he seem weird? Was he sick? You know, because I'm fine. You know, this is this is no big deal. I can fight. I can take on anybody. I mean, hey, ha, I'm me. I can have a five star with a broom. Of course. But, you know, I want, uh, we worked this match. We talked it up beforehand. You know, I want to give the show we're supposed to give. It's my reputation on the line, you know. I'm going to say this sounds like if, this sounds like if you're asking questions, it sounds like you're trying to search the scene. It sounds like you're trying to okay. uncover whatever this plot is. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to ask you to roll two dice and add your psychology. All right. Ooh, that is a five. And I take a minus one to that. So that's a four. OK, so I'm going to get to I'll let you a ask one of the questions on that list and then I'm going to make a move. All right. I'm going to say, which way did a person recently leave? So wh where did he go? So, um, yeah, you're talking to the promoter. You're talking to, uh, you're talking, you're talking to Ramon. Ramon is telling you all the scoops and it's like, yeah, he just, he can't, I mean, we saw him, he was at our show on Tuesday and he kind of seemed like something was up. He kept talking about like he had this, he had this like once in a lifetime gig he was he was feeling he was feeling really good about it. He said that when we saw him this week, he was going to be a whole new man. And he kind of said that he was going. He just said he needed some time to himself. I don't know. He just kind of said that he was head. He was just going to like hang out at his hotel for a couple of days. But he was he was real hype about this, 
this opportunity that he had, right? He was, he said he was real hype about this. He didn't really give us any details. I mean, it might have been a contract thing. He might have had an NDA. We're not really clear. You know, I know people that I know that company up north has been trying to sign people left and right. <laughs> so, like, he may have, you know, it may have been something with that, but we're not really clear. All we know is that he kind of said he was just going to be like he was going to be around. He said this was a he said this was a local booking, but he said he said, you know, he would just kind of be around the hotel if we needed him. And then suddenly today his place is, you know, nobody's seen him. People went by his people went by his hotel. It was empty. Nobody has a goddamn clue. Huh. Okay. All right. So. hmm. What do you do? So. All right. I think. I am going to reach into my black market connections. I know okay. people in the town who are, you know, someone who's got their ear to the ground who knows what's going on. Uh, is there a local, uh, a local dive bar I could hit? Of course, there's absolutely a local dive bar. Uh, you go to no quick, Jeff. What's the name of the dive bar? Oh, I mean, I, I have the name that immediately came up. I realized I stole from the Chikara film Ashes, so I can't go with it. So uh, we're going to go just shy, which, of course, was the Fujiwara arm bar. So I'm going to go with uh, this is called. We're just going to go. We're going to go. This is the this is this is this is the, the Kimura is the name of this bar. The Kimura. All right. I was going to go with the Gilded Onion, but yours is better. <laughs> it's got to be a wrestling <laughs> reference. We're in a lucha. That's movie. true. Everything, everything is pointing back towards professional wrestling. Excellent. Okay, so I pop into the Kimura, and uh, part of my second generation thing is I could prompt you for an NPC. Yep. So who do I meet there? Uh, you meet, you meet. Um, I'm gonna say, uh, Straight Razor. Straight Razor is unmasked. He is a he is a a wrestler because everybody is connected to wrestling in some way. Uh, very much a jobber, but very much a um, is known around sort of your circles as the the jobber or the 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 lackey that provides you with uh, with blades if you need to show some color with you know gimmicks your baby powder your you know, your, your, your metal, your metal bar to hide in your wrist tape. He provides you with the, with the foreign objects with which to cheat. Like that's kind of where he has a, he's, he's not a good wrestler, but he's, but he's popular among Rudos in like in the area because he knows where to very quickly and surreptitiously get you the things that you need to cheat. Okay. And with that, and with that, he knows kind of everybody, right? Like every Rudo needs baby powder and he knows where to get it. Where he knows the pharmacy to get it from, where the cashier is not going to rat you out later to a referee. I love this gimmick dealer. And because you named him Straight Razor, of course he's played by Danny Trejo in my head. Of course. <laughs> so he's kind of, he's not at the bar when we turn up. He's he's chilling over by the payphone, you know, just in case he yep. gets a call, you know. Yep. And so I go over there and I'm on the other side of the payphone and I don't look at him and we both kind of stand there with our arms crossed kind of surveying the scene, you know, listen to the jukebox, whatever. Uh, and I kind of lean over and I bump the payphone with my elbow and I go, <clears throat> Inoki Flair. And he kind of leans and he covers his mouth and he goes, collision in Korea. Yep. And with that, and our introductions are done. And he sees me and he recognizes me, but he's not, he's not expecting to see me. Yeah, of course. Because You're I have made it clear that 
I don't want help from anybody. Yeah. So he's a little surprised. So I say, hey, what do you know about uh, Father Facebreaker disappearing? I know he's not your usual clientele, but you got to have heard something. No, no. I mean, honestly, I got to tell you, you know, I, I'd, have asked, I'd have said the same thing come Tuesday or Wednesday, but... Then he showed up. He he was he came around asking if any of us knew. Uh, dang it, I don't remember. I don't remember the guy's name, but he came around asking. I guess he had some dealing with a uh, some sort of like antique seller. You know how he is. You know how he is. You know how the how the how the religious types are. They're always looking for artifacts and weird trinkets of value and things. He says he found something rare and. He kind of, he, he, he'd caught wind that somebody was selling something rare and he was going to buy it and he was talking up this big thing and, you know, he came to me and he said, he said he wanted, hold on, what, you're, I thought you, I thought you swore this whole thing off. Why am I giving you information? Hey, hey, I'm not involved in this, okay? Um, I just want my match. I want my match, I want to make my money, and I want to go home. That's fair. And he's making this difficult for me. And honestly, Straight Razor, you're making this difficult for me too. Hey, listen, listen. I don't, I don't want to get a bad reputation. You know, one bad review. I'm running a small business. One bad review is all it takes to put me under. Hey, and I'm not saying I would say anything, but I do remember something about baby power powder being cut with detergent. You know, the CVS incident. I'm not going to say anything. I'm, you know me. I'm good for that. But I'm just saying, if something was said to the wrong person, it's the last thing you'd want to happen. It's the last thing I would want to happen. The very last thing. You know, you, you, I, I, I gotta say, the apple has not fallen far from the tree. And I want you to know that. And I want you to know that I mean that as, I mean that as hurtfully as I can. Ugh. Actually, I, I nearly swore. We can't swear on this show, can we? Yeah, we can. Okay. My, it's always, it's in my FAQs of, of if you swear, fuck yeah. Oh, that's right. <laughs> All right. You're a real piece of shit, Straight Razor. But I like that. I respect it. That's, that's why people come to me. Let me tell you what I know. Like I said, he found this thing and he asked me to find him. He said, he said he didn't need a ring, but he needed a space where he could set one up. Okay. So I gave him, I told him where he could find a back, like a back room of a warehouse. And that's the last I heard from him. I checked in with the people that ran the warehouse. They said he never stopped by. Maybe he found a better deal somewhere. Hmm. All right. Well, look, I won't say anything to anybody. You keep doing what you're doing and I'll see you at the show. Okay. All right. That sounds great. If you need anything, you know where to find me. And I'll give you I do. and I'll give you the I'll give you the friends and family discount, which is only about 125% market price. <laughs> You're nothing if not an established businessman. Got I got to be. Consummate professional over here. <laughs> uh, so okay. what So what's your next move? All right, so the only lead I've got at this point is the warehouse. So I presume Straight Razor gave me the location. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the back room of a craft brewery. Of course it is. Armlock Pale Ale. Of course. <laughs> All right. So let's go scope this place out. All right. Uh, give me another search the scene roll. All right. I really wish I'd put more into charisma. I forgot how much detective work is in this. <laughs> oh, that is a six. 
Minus okay. one, that's a five. I'm Excellent. bad at this. Excellent. Uh, uh, see, I, I feel like this is going perfectly because I, I kind of want you to be rolling badly. I want By you the way, to be rolling I be, badly. Should I be taking the experiences part. on this? Yes. So I've taken two at this point. So you have two failed rolls, yes? Yes. Let me confirm that is the correct. That is correct. Yes. Anytime you fail a move, you would t- you would gain experience. When you've gained seven plus your current level, you can take an advancement move. Mm-hmm. There you go. All right. Great. So, um, yeah, I I want you to be rolling badly in the early part because it means you're gonna walk <laughs> into you're gonna walk into a horrible supernatural thing. I might catch a barn door coming the other way. <laughs> so, um, you don't you find this you you check out this brewery. You don't, you know, they're they they're confused. They had been told that they were going to get visited by a famous wrestler, and so far, the most famous wrestler that's come is you, which is saying a lot. And <laughs> and so they're like they're they're very confused. They're very friendly. They let you look around. You don't quite find anything. Ask me one of the questions on the list. Uh, okay. How recently was someone else here? Um, so how how recently was Father Facebreaker here? Um, you you don't find any evidence that Father Facebreaker was here, right? Like they they don't have any record of him coming. But what you find is that someone was here recently, at least. Okay. At least, what was at one point someone was here recently? Uh, you have found a dead body. Ah. Nobody you recognize, or at least not enough of a person that you would recognize them. But, um, <laughs> like, they are a, 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 a charred, like, you find them, where, I'm gonna ask you, where do you find them that the, that the owners of the brewery would never think to look? All right, so, I find him, uh, under the stairs. So, because Perfect. the stairs are sort of a floating staircase. Yep. Uh, and there have been boxes and stuff piled up, but I know where you could, you know, have a hole someplace in an arena where you can yeah. catch a quick nap or or some other nefarious purpose. So I know that on that kind of staircase, there's a gap underneath. It's not much, but I look in and, yeah, there's that body. Um, All of this, like, it is, I guess, at the, really more accurately to say it is a skeleton. Like, all of the skin <laughs> and flesh is just, you know, burned away, dissolved, evaporated, vanished. Um wearing like a a tank top and blue jeans uh no shoes visibly taped wrists and knuckles like they were clearly coming for a fight switchblade in their hand as if they were again clearly coming for a fight mm-hmm. tank top shirt jeans no shoes perhaps they were coming to do martial arts you can't quite tell but like you don't recognize anything else, but this person was clearly coming to show up for a fight and something happened to make that never, that not happen. Huh. All right. So, hmm. I'm just thinking of how I can play this because, so are there staff, are there people around or is this? Um, well, let me ask you, are there like, are there people around? Do you want there to be people around? Well, I mean, my first thought is, okay, this, this skeleton is not telling me a ton apart from someone coming to fight and getting, you know, deep fried. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking my next thought is, is to think, all right, well, I don't have any further leads at this point. This is a dead end. So my first thought is to search the scene, but I have been biffing those roles. So I might try and convince somebody. So, okay. all right. So let's say we've got the owner of the brewery yeah. and there's some I staff think they come and they around. Think, oh my God, what is that? What yeah. happened here? 
All right. So there's some staff milling around as well. And maybe people who were coming to buy it because it's a craft brewery. They have like a cellar door out the front. So I think what is happening is, yeah, there's the cellar door on the opposite end of the room. The brewer, Mm -hmm. I'm picturing like a young, like a young Santa Claus or like a little bit Mm -hmm. of a Matt Tremont look is like kind of starts pulling people and being like, go close the doors. Everybody has to leave. Like, we need this area closed off. Tell people that give people a free drink in the main bar area. We just have to close. And like. The staff kind of scatters, so it's just you mm-hmm. and this bar owner who's just, like, over your shoulder, big bushy beard. And it's just like, what is ha- – like, what what happened? Like, the, those doors mm-hmm. were never opened. I don't – where could he, this person have come from? All right. So I am going to cut a promo on this guy. All right. All right. So I need to roll plus charisma, right? Yes. All right. Hot dice, come on. Oh, man. Okay. There's a three – with oh. a minus one, that is a two. Wow, oh, okay. Take an experience. Oh, boy. All right. I'm switching dice. Okay, so let there me ask you real quick. Yeah. Let me ask you real quick. What are what service are you offering in exchange for this person's help? All right, so I was... Uh, or should I actually like cut the promo and offer it at the end? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I will get in close with this guy, and I will say that... Uh, okay, I will say... Look, man, I will level with you. This place is on very thin profit margins. I've tried the Armlock Pale Ale. It's not very good. In fact, it is markedly similar to something they are selling across the road. I would even say that it is identical to something they are selling across the road. So the last thing you want is negative attention on this place. What I can do, though, is I know a lot of French-Canadian beer drinkers. I can hook you up. I can get you into every dépanneur in Hull, Quebec. All right? You could be in there. You could be up front with your Bull Maxes and your Labatt Blues. That's if you help me, though. And he, like, kind of initially, he kind of sits there and he thinks about it. And mm-hmm. what I'm going to give you is I'm going to say he's going to help you in exchange for, for those, making those connections, which we mm-hmm. don't need to play out, but just know that it's going <laughs> to it's gonna hurt you because you're going to have to call on your family connections to make that happen. Ugh, the cutthroat world of liquor distribution in Canada. It's so, but what I'm going to tell you is worse than you can imagine. That's, that's, Uh-oh. that's, that's how we're going to, that's how we're going to play this out. So yeah, he kind of, he's like, all right, let me, let's. Wait, let's check the tapes, because otherwise I got nothing. I have no idea how this could have happened. Mm-hmm. And so he brings in the tapes, loads them up. You're watching this, like, closed-circuit TV recording. And sure enough, like, you're fast, he's fast-forwarding, he's fast-forwarding, he's fast-forwarding. And, like, the doors never open, but suddenly, like, a a, a doorway opens, right? Like, a, a doorway opens in the middle of the room, out of nowhere, out of thin air, and in steps this, uh, in steps this street tough looking dude, no shoes, uh, tank top jeans, no shoes, tape knuckles, switchblade in hand. Um, one of, one of straight razors, like stable mates, right? Like one of, one of, one of, one of straight razors gang shows mm-hmm. up here, like, and is clearly like, you know, posturing and posing and throwing hands and finally takes out an object. It's like a, it's, it's some kind of, it's, it looks, I mean, it looks a little, it looks like a box, right? He takes out this box out of his leather jacket pocket. He wasn't wearing a jacket when you found him, but that's weird. Takes out, takes it out of his leather jacket pocket 
twists it a few times, puts it down, and suddenly the feed cuts out. And when it comes back, it's that that staircase that was in a different part of the room is there. He's gone. And all you see is someone pick up a leather jacket, put it on, and, you know, the camera's still glitching out, so you can't get a good look at him, but they put on the jacket, they pick up the cube, and they step through the door. And then the feed ends. The bar of the brewery owner is 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 shaken and horrified at what like what what was that what what was that what just happened here? I don't know, but now I have to find out. Uh, hmm. Yeah, just off mic for a sec. Yeah, yeah. I'm a little stumped. I'm just like because I feel like all I've got is search the scene as an option because so much of my other stuff is combat oriented that I'm just like. I feel like I'm banging my head against no, that that's wall fine. a bit. I, that's fine. I got a segue for you. So, All right. Um, yeah. So you think back to what uh, Straight Razor told you. Father Facebreaker had gone looking or had gotten wind of some kind of object, some kind of religious thing. You, as obviously a member of your family, another one of your black market connections, you know that there is like a trinket dealer in town, right? Like, you know that there's mm-hmm. someone in town that specializes in selling objects. So I think we cut to this place, right? Like, this uh, very... It's it's very that store from Gremlins or, you know, the <laughs> every cursed item store from any horror movie. The Frogert is also cursed. The Frogert is also cursed. Um, you cut and... <laughs> There is a luchador behind the counter, right? Um, hold on. Let me, let me, let me, let me crack open translate real quick. <laughs> uh, El Corredor, El Corredor is behind the counter. The, the broker, the, the, uh, sort of a, um, not quite an Undertaker figure, not quite, kind of in the Undertaker Bray Wyatt vein of this sort of supernatural luchador. <laughs> mm-hmm. The mask is very demonic looking, very Drago or Ray Phoenix or Penta or Penta uh, Pentagon Jr.-esque, you know, very mm-hmm. spooky mask. Mm-hmm. Sitting back, you know, looking at looking at his trinkets when you come in. What do you what do you say? What do you what are you asking for? Hmm. Well, I think I'm going to go to him with what I know. Yeah. So I'm going to say, I'm going to ask him about something that's a cube that could burn someone. If someone less competent, less uh, less skilled than him might be using it. So I'm going to play a little bit to his ego. Okay. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, he, he kind of is, he's smiling and he's like, well, I mean, I... I sold someone a, I sold someone a puzzle box recently. <laughs> oh, it's gonna be Hellraiser again. Um. <laughs> and, and he's like, I didn't. I, they had told me that it was the Crucible Gauntlet, but that's that thing's a myth. And I just kind of figured, what's a sham object sold to someone that thinks they're going to be the next hot thing? Yeah, yeah, I know. You know, hey, I know, man. We're all carnies deep down. At the end of the day, so right? You, it's a business. You, you sell your gimmicks, you get your paid. You know, I know how it works. 
But hey, people are getting hurt. And you wouldn't want that, would you? Or actually, maybe you would. I don't know you, man. <laughs> I mean, what people do with the object, I, I warn every, I give everyone the same warning. And you realize as he says this, that you've heard this like a million times. What you purchase from my store sometimes carries with it a cost much greater than the money that you ha- you put in my hand. What you purchase may change you in a way that unlike anything you've ever experienced, your understanding of the world may shatter. And this goes on and on. <laughs> I, I, I get it. I get it, man. There's study aids. If a few bad apples use them for something else, that's not your problem. Exactly. I, I give this disclaimer. People brush it off, but I give the disclaimer. But listen, I understand if... And he gets very serious for a second. He leans in. If that truly was the Crucible Gauntlet, mm-hmm. well, then that's a problem because that means that that means that the challenger is issuing challenges. The challenger, of course, you know the legend of the challenger. Yes. S- let's imagine I don't. Oh, of course, of course, of course. I forget. I forget sometimes that. Up north, it's all headlocks and arm drags, and you don't get a, you don't understand. You don't truly learn the history of the art form. It's all it's all technique and razzle dazzle. Fundamentals are important, man. That's, that's fine, but I mean, uh, you, you know, what's wrestling without a little bit of magic and mystery, right? Anyway, so dazzle me. Let me dazzle you. The challenger, supposedly a myth. The idea. You know this better than anyone. I mean, I've got to imagine if I've got to imagine if a mercenary like you, if a road warrior is looking at this, then that means that that means that a payday is on the line for you. You know better than anyone that a wrestler needs a match to to start to live. Essentially, what is a wrestler who doesn't have a match? Just a mark. Exactly. So imagine you could. With a few twists of a box, receive a challenger, receive a match, receive a contest and a puesta unlike anything you've ever experienced. If you win, your greatest wish comes true. If you lose, well, you don't want to lose. Sounds like a lot of people would pay a lot for that. And so, you know, somebody came in, they saw what they thought was the gauntlet. Who knows if it was, honestly. And, like, he gestures towards a bunch of things, half of which are, you know, there's a holy grail on the counter. There's there's <laughs> obviously Dracula's cape from a Dracula movie alongside several stakes. Like, this is, this is, from a cinematic standpoint, this is the scene where it's just, like, nothing but Easter eggs. This is the one that the horror movie <laughs> nerds look at and go, like, oh, yep. Oh, I see. I see the aliens, the alien suit from this island Earth. There it is in that corner right there. That metal in forehead just sticking out the top of a shelf. Yep. Uh, you know, a, ch- a chunk of plywood with a nail in it. It's obviously new with masking tape underneath that says True Cross. Yep. And it's just, it's all of these things are just like, you know, this, that's what this scene is. And he gesture, he's like, half of this stuff is is nonsense trinkets. I don't need, I, I mean, honestly, this is all, you know. It's wrestling. It's work. It's a work. It's a stage show. Hmm. So somebody bought what they thought was a was was the gauntlet. I sold it to them. They gave me a decent chunk of money. They're gonna keep my little bric-a-brac store afloat for a couple more months. Well, look. As long as you get yours, right? 
It's the important part. That's what we're all, like you said, we're all carnies at the end of the day. And and then you can sell bits of them out of your trunk at the end of the show. That's exactly right. But listen, listen, I'll give you, I'll give you a name. I've got, I've got my ledgers in the back. I'll give you a name. And he pulls it out and he finds it. And sure enough, like it is a name you recognize because you've dealt with, you've dealt with straight racer a bunch. This is, uh. This is box. It's 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 box cutter Barry Wilcox. <laughs> Another low level right. jobber, box cutter being you know the you know you recognize you recognize the tape knuckles and the switchblade. You would think he would have a box cutter, but like there's a there's a disconnect of gimmick there. <laughs> and sure enough, like he's like he's like here's here's his name, here's his ho like here's where he was staying. And you realize he was staying in the same hotel that Father Facebreaker always stays in. Always. All right. So in that case, yeah, I'm leaving. I'm going straight for the hotel. I think the time for subtlety is through. I think so. You go to the hotel. It's a police scene, right? Like it is it is locked down because, well, looks like there was a break like it is because there's been a disappearance right like Mm -hmm. all of you get there there's everything's taped up police are on the scene what's your what's your game plan are you trying to break into the room are you going to play nice with the cops like what are you doing here um i am going to pick a weak link i am going to you know scope out the scene and find someone let's either a rookie cop or a security guard someone out of the way that is my one obstacle to getting in. Okay. All right. So over, I'm going to go to the back stairwell because a wrestler always knows the back way out of someplace if you can't of pay. And so, and there is one guy, he's a rookie cop. He's barely old enough to shave. And uh, so I'm going to roll up on him. Okay. Are you going to, are you intimidating or are you, are you knocking him out and taking his out? What, what is, what is your, what's, what's your goal from here? Look, I have been subtle so far, and it has gotten me four experience points. So. That's fair. So I am going to sneak up on his blind side, and I am going to try and hit him with a sleeper. Okay, yeah. Give me a roll plus tough. All right. All right, so that is a six plus tough, which is two, so that's an eight. All right. That's a mixed success, right? All right, yep. Choose one of the results. Choose one of the results under grapple. All right, so either I use someone's momentum against them, toss them to the ground, I grab hold of a body part, I prevent him from acting, I stop from inflicting harm, I gain the attention, didn't notice, or I steady myself. Uh, okay, um, I'm going to prevent him from acting. Okay, So I'm yeah. going to, like, you know, l- lock his arms, uh, you know, maybe throw in a body scissors, uh, yep. Kurt Angle style, just restrain him from, say, calling out or yeah. uh, or running away. Well, what, do you, what do you want? Who are you? That's really not important right now. What's really important right now is you holding very still and not doing anything. Okay. You like uh, not uh, doing anything, don't you? I, and he like, you know, terrified, he nods without saying a word. Great. Well, tell you what, man, I'm going to give you an early mark. You get to go home. Go have a beer or I put you to sleep right now and you wake up with one hell of a hangover. I... I- I'd like to pick the beer, please. Good man. All right, so I let him go, and he books it. Do y'all, 
Anyway, hey, anyway. Hey, hey guys, you want to go get some arm arm drag pale ales? I heard they're giving out free drinks at the brewery. <laughs> and on the end, right, the so. cops depart, and you are left alone in this crime scene. All right. So tell me what I see. What's in front of me? Um. So the room itself is <clears throat> fairly like fairly pulled apart in term in the in the terms of like a police investigation, right? Like cabinets or dressers have been opened and peeled through. Um. Nothing appears like everything. All of all of Father Facebreaker's stuff is there. All everything that that was supposed to be there is there. The only issue, and and for the most part, it does not appear to be, you know, like his wallet is there with all of his money. Um, his mask is there. His his whole out, Whoa, his whole okay. outfit is there. Actually, his mask is the only thing that. Yeah, no. What we're gonna say is his um. His jacket, his outside jacket, that sort of big billowy priest jacket, the very cool looking one that I don't know the name of, but the one with the tails. That's there. <laughs> um, his hat is there. His mask is not. His shirt is not. His pants are not. His boots are not. But his hat and jacket are there, like, are there hanging on, are there hanging on a hook? And as you kind of look around, sure enough, there like on a dresser completely innocuous the type of thing that well if you weren't a wrestler who happened to know the history of supernatural wrestling themed <laughs> magical objects you might think is just an ordinary puzzle box is sitting there on a dresser just shy of solved hmm well you know what they say if you're gonna ring a bell you should ring that bell all right and pick up the puzzle box. Is there an obvious solution? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's one twist. I mean, it is, you know, you click it, you click it, you click it. Well, you do one click to solve it. And suddenly, you know, the door slams shut. The folding bed shoots back into the wall and a doorway opens in front of chains fall all around you. Right. Like chains spill from the ceiling. It is mm -hmm. extremely hellraiser. <laughs> uh, chains. <laughs> And, like, the chains spill around you, forming, like, they spill around you, they start to fall, and then flatten out, like, they go they go directly across the ceiling and directly down the wall, and you realize, ah, oh, fuck, you're put, you're, they put you, you just got put in a cage. Oh, man. You just got put in a chain link cage. <laughs> Doorway opens, you know, um, and out from it steps wearing a leather jacket with uh, silver shoulder pads on it, the same jacket that you saw Boxcar Barry Wilcox wearing earlier, wearing mm -hmm. a few nights ago. Jacket, obviously Father Facebreaker's uh, gear, beautiful ornate cross on the lucha mask, right? Like silver cross directly on the front, almost like a, uh, like a Caristico mask. Mm -hmm. um, steps out. But that is clearly over top of, like, a faceless skull, right? Like, it's sagging in certain parts. <laughs> and you can, you know, the, the parts where you can see the luchador's face underneath, you just see bare skull. <laughs> Steps out. Carrying, um, like, chains, like, has chains in his hand. Bony claws are clicking. Steps out. The chains on the, chains on the cage around you rattle. As this half, you know, flayed flesh, luchador mask wearing amalgamation of stolen objects 
steps through, and despite having no skin, you see a grin form, and it's... So what is it you wish to offer in the challenge? Well, the way I see it, a man is nothing if not his reputation. So, I will give you everything I have earned. I will give you myself. I will give you my reputation as my own man, as my own wrestler, as my own character will be yours. I will be no one. Oh, see, you misunderstand how this works. You, uh, I, I, I'm not surprised you from up north haven't learned the history of these things. <laughs> you see, I'm not asking what you're wagering because, and he kind of tugs at the mask a little bit. I know what I'm going to take when I win. What I'm asking is if I lose. What is it you wish to gain? Well, you know, I'm not one for taking what's been given. I want to take what's been taken. So I want what's yours, but I want it without the catch. I want to remain myself, but I want your power to do what you do. All right. All right. Well, then... This is interesting. You see, normally it's immortal life, it's power and fame, all of those things I'll just flay your flesh and wear your skin as a coat as a cruel taunting of your own feeble mortality. But now you've made things interesting. And he throws the chains in the air and snaps his fingers and an aluminum baseball bat flies through the thing and starts to wrap (laughs) itself in the chains as he starts to monologue and is like, now you've made things interesting. For you see, now... I don't just want to flay your flesh and wear your, you get the whole, et cetera, et cetera. Now I want, if I win, I want the catch. You see, every time I take a life, I get a little bigger and more powerful. Think about how much faster I could become powerful and finally take fully human form and bring about, you know, an age of professional wrestling domination unlike the world has ever seen before <laughs> if there were two of me. If I win, you become an extension of my power and quest. You will lose you will lose that sense of self that you were so willing to wager, and in and in essence, there will be two crucible gauntlets floating the world. If you win, well, the power is yours since you do with as you choose. Bat falls into his hands, wrapped in wrapped in, in barbed wire, throws it over his shoulder, adjusts the leather jacket ever so slightly, points at you and is like, so what's it going to be? Do you accept the challenger's challenge? I want the book, pal, and I'm not what you'd call a joiner. So you're on. All right. And, and, and suddenly all around the, the cage that is formed, you see just like, uh, twisted half-human versions of all of these people. You see Father Facebreaker there, like, his outfit torn and ragged and a version of his mask half-rotted away. You see B- Box Cutter Barry Wilcox, you know, flesh flayed off of his body as he's just... And they're all just rattling this cage and screaming for you, and they're like, you understand the rules of a no-holds-barred cage match, yes? Come on. Treat me with a little respect. This ain't my first rodeo. That's fair, and he swings the bat at you as hard as he can. What do you do? <laughs> All right, I am 
going to duck and go for the ropes. Okay. That sounds like it's going to be a, it sounds like, that sounds like this is going to be a high risk maneuver. Oh boy. And I think this is going to be with speed. I think this is going to be a high risk maneuver with speed if you're going for the ropes. All right. So I just roll just to normal? 2d6 plus Plus one. Oh, there we are. All right, so that is a seven plus one. That is an eight. All right. Um, you, like, you take a little bit too long to read your rope. So you can either take a blow and also mm-hmm. do also do your, like, and then, you know, get into the position that you, like, you can get to the position you want, but you'll take you'll take a blow to do that. Do you accept? All right. Yes. Okay. So in, in this case, I'm going to duck the bat swing. I'm going to bounce off the ropes. And I'm going to uh, take him down from behind. I'm going to do a take a chop block to his uh, to the back of his knee because he's bigger than me. Yep. I figure I want to take him down, slow him. So I'm going to smack my shoulder straight into his knee, uh, but I'm going to mistime the angle, and he's going to land on me and I like, like knock the wind out of me. And I think immediately, like like the blow is immediately he just plunges a thumb, like and it's all bone, right? So it's sharp. Yeah. So he like digs it straight into your eye, right? And he's just jammed. Oh. And that is, speaking of safety, that is as far into eye stuff as we're going to get. Good. But yeah, he jabs you in the eye. You're, ah! And then, like, he just he's, he just throws back this, ha, 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 ha. Ah, it's fun to, it's fun to cheat. All right, so do I take a bump on that? Yes. Bump, that's just the one? term I wanted. Yes. All right, so just one. Yeah. Marking it off. All right, so I'm going to sort of clutch up my eye for a second. And I'm going to look at him and by the way, I had, I'm presuming that at some point this has made me bleed or is this just uh, blinding me for a sec or what? Just uh, just blinding you for a second. All right. So I'm going to rub up my eye. I'm going to look at him. And I'm going to smile. And I'm going to say, well, now you're playing in my house. And I'm going to do a roll first before I describe it. Okay. Because I'm going to roll. All right. <laughs> there we go. All right, so that is an 11 plus 2 for tough. Dang. So I am going to grapple him, but I am going to – basically, uh, it's time for the dirtiest player in the game to step up because yep. you just thumbed me in the eye, pal. And it's I'm going to say because receipt. you got a 13, because you got above a 12, I'm going to give you a hold of 3. Oh, okay. So uh, first I'm, I'm going to explain what I do, and then we'll talk yep. about what, what holds there were. All right, so I'm going to engage with him as if in a normal collar and elbow tie-out. I'm going to duck under his near arm. I'm going to step on his toe mm-hmm. with one side, crush one of those little bones. And as he bends down, I'm going to kick the other leg out from under him. And that will be my using someone's momentum against him and toss yep. him to the ground. He's going to land on his face. Uh, I've injured that foot. I yep. broke one of his little toe bones, so he's going to be slow. And I'm going to prevent him acting for the next turn. Okay. And uh, the other thing I want to throw out just for the sake of enabling your moves is that, like, the mm-hmm. cage has formed, the bed is the bed is in the wall, but, like, all the other objects in the room are, are still oh, there. Good. So there's the alarm clock, the dressers, the TV, <laughs> all of those things are still around. And because he's fallen on his face, like, that barbed wire bat has rolled to the side. Oh. <laughs> it's like leaving me in a candy store, man. I know. I mean, what's the point of picking a move if I don't give you opportunities to use it? <laughs> All right. So I'm going straight for that CRT TV. All right. Yep. 
and I'm because I have foreign object enabled, of course, because I can lift it, despite the fact those things weigh a ton. Yep. If I can lift it, I can use it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to get that TV, I'm going to put it behind his head, and uh, I'm going to Seth Rollins the hell out of him. Good. And I'm going to stomp that into the mat. Give me a pa- give his me, head between. Give me plus pow. All right. Oh, I had one hit the floor. Uh, let's see. Can't see it. All right, rolling another one. Hang on, give me a sec. Oof. Okay, that is a six. So minus one. So that is only a five. Okay. Um, he disappears. What? He's cheat. I mean, there's no. You know, you're fighting. You're fighting a cheater. You take. Uh, you take two bumps because you stomp through the TV. Ah. Hoisted by my own petard. Now there is one thing I want to point out, and I, I you yeah. can choose to use it here or not. You do have mm-hmm. superhuman blood. I was just thinking. <laughs> if not now, then when? Yeah. So are you going to use it now, or are you going to you going to hold on to it? Uh, hang on. So you may three times you may three times uh three times change any result you've made to a twelve. Hmm. All right. So I am going to. I'm trying to think what this move would be. Basically, I want to sucker him in. I want him to take a swing at me and then counter when he hits. So what would I do with that? Uh, that sounds like let me let me look at the moves real quick, because I, I, I know what I know what it is very clear. I'm going to call that a high risk maneuver plus All right. uh, plus um, I'm going to call it high risk maneuver plus charisma because you're 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 doing the Ric Flair beg at that point. Right. You're you're dropping yeah, to your knees. Yeah. You've stomped through the TV. You're stomping the knees. You're throwing up your hands. You're going, no, no, no. And then you, when he gets close, you're going to, I guess, low blow yeah. or something. And I'm, and I'm doing that, that, uh, that Ric Flair, I got, ah, I got, ah, as I'm like yep. loosening my boot and I'm like uh, really looking at my foot to see if it's hurt, which it is hurt, but he doesn't have to know that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and so what did, and so, all right, so give me, it was roll plus charisma, you Yeah, said? roll plus charisma. All right. All right, so that is a 10 plus nothing. Okay, yeah, that's a success. Um, he's completely, he's exactly where you want him, right? Like, he's picked up mm-hmm. the bat, and he's just gloating, and the wrestlers are, like, crying and begging because they're about to see one of their own, you know, cursed mm-hmm. to become one of these Hellraiser demons. And he's like, you're all the same. You're all the same. You're nothing but ego. It makes this too easy. And he Mm -hmm. starts to spin just in time for you to take your next action. All right. So do I roll for the next action? Because that was the the feint was what we were talking Uh, about. Yeah, he's completely he's monologuing as he's getting as he's rearing up to swing the bat at you. So he's completely, Mm -hmm. completely eating this one up. So whatever you want to do. In fact, I might just say, like, tell me what you want to do next. And you might either just succeed at it or get like advantage Mm -hmm. or something. All right, well, I have a really dumb idea. Go for it. <laughs> so, he is going to pull me towards him, because I'm down. I'm clutching my ankle at this point, selling the hell out of it. He is going to grab me by the foot that I have injured yep. to drag me closer, to smack me with the bat. And as he pulls and lifts me up, I want that boot to come off, <laughs> and I want to come free. All right. Yep. I think that's, I think that's, yeah, I, I'm just willing. Yeah, that's exactly what happens. And he's just like staring at the boot. Like what? Why? <laughs> All right. And now I'm going to use that momentum to attack and I know exactly what I want to do. So All I right. want to roll it. Go first. All right. So that is a five, but I'm, I'm, I'm blading as I roll away to release some supernatural blood. Yep. yep. So I'm making that. Does that make it a oh, 12? Yeah. Right. Immediately everyone's yeah, yeah. 
Because you, you've got one over, you're blading, you're wearing the crimson mask, you've rolled a 12. What yeah. are you doing? I whip my head around a little. I get blood on the front row. Yep. So as he reels back, looking down quizzically at my boot, uh, I am going to run at him. I am going to step off, off of one of his knees. I'm doing the full Hurricanrana spin, uh, Mystico style, where I go around twice. Yep. And I'm going to, uh, as I come down, catch his near arm and drive his head down to the mat. But I'm going to use the arm with the bat. So I want the bat between the arm and the mat. Okay. And drive in with his full weight and my weight down onto the front of the bat face first. I'm going to call that three wounds because this is an aluminum bat wrapped in barbed wire. Um, <laughs> and, he, and he's just a skull. So the skull shatters and explodes, right? Like, it, I mean, <laughs> this is a horror movie. This is a trashy, can't be horror movie. So the, the skull shatters and explodes and bone and mask bits fly everywhere. And then like he stands up and slowly like, a f- like a human face starts to form and like it it's like it's like being crafted out of clay that is forming from nothing and it's like like the cl- like a clay sculpture of what a face should look like except mm-hmm. the eyes are still like blank cuz you can't replicate human eyes <laughs> and he's just well that was clever and like the the cage is is the cage is starting to spark and like and 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 sizzle and he's like and and you can tell that he is very close to done and is very close to losing control of this structure that he has built what do you do hmm so so he's he's weakened but he's not done yet yes all right hmm okay so i want to Screw it. I'm going straight for him. All right. So, again, I want to... I'm th- I'm thinking grapple. Okay. Because yeah. at this point, hitting him straight on, he is made of bone and has not done a lot for me. But this is still a wrestling match. Yep. And it is still no holds barred. That is true. So, is there a way of me, like, putting him where I want him? Yeah, absolutely. Like, so where, where would that would that fall under grapple? I would say or? that's grapple, and I would say um, that's grapple, and that's probably using someone's momentum against them. All right. So I want to I want to faint, mm-hmm. and then I want to go and I want to go in for one of those Oklahoma rolls okay. where I go straight over his shoulder. Yep. And use my weight to to pin him down. Uh, perfect. All right. Yeah. Roll me that. Roll me that plus tough. All right. Come on, buddy. All right. That is a nine. Plus two, that 11. is an 11. All right. You get to, so, so you use his momentum against him. You get him exactly where you want him, and then what do you do? And I'll say if what you want to do is use some kind of weapon, you can just declare that. Use one of your holds to just do that. All right. So, <laughs> again, I will say this, and then you can tell me if this, if this is against the rules, okay? So, I am going to use the edge of that cassock, which is what that coat is called. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to use Father Facebreaker's coat and I'm going to hook the tights on this roll. And because I don't know if you knew this, but when I was back looking at the corpse, I may have palmed the switchblade. Mm. And I'm going to pin that sucker to the mat. All right. For the one, two, three. Yeah, absolutely. And then you've got your, you've got your, you've got the knife that's going to be, that's going to give you a bump on account of, that's going to give, that's going to give him a bump on account of, 
like you're using an object with adds bump to your to your roll. You, you pin him down. One, two, three. He is furious. The the the, the <laughs> ghouls on the outside are cheering and and hurrahing, and he's furious. He's like, no, you didn't. You were. This was it. This was to the. This was to the death. You you can't just you can't just pin me. You have to kill me. That's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. And like, there's this moment where Father Facebreaker like becomes, you know, you see him fully formed, and he's like, I. And there's this a split second, right, where he's fully human again. He's wearing the mask. He's big muscle, you know, very, very sort of barrel chested, very classic Technico body. And you see him, and he's like on one knee, and he just pulls up, and he goes, "I fought this man till my dying breath, and I never thought of just rolling him up for the pin." That's so. Hey, man. It's Quebec province rules. Titles can change hands. <laughs> I. That's. I can't not respect that. And like he and as he like withers back away, he's just like. That's so that feels underhanded, but it's exactly within the rules. <laughs> and yeah, the, he's he's screaming and chains are like grabbing him by the throat <laughs> and he's being dragged kicking and screaming into the into the cube and all around you you know in an instant you feel different right and you look around and you realize the ghouls aren't going anywhere Hmm. and they're all like half dead and they just stand there and they go Mm -hmm. so i guess we answer to you now you asked for his power that's right and you jabronis better get your shoes on we've got a show to put on and so the last shot we see is you're still booked in the battle royal, but like eight, you and eight zombies just like walk in, and like uh-huh. it's and I think that's that might be the closing shot is you and eight zombies like making your entrance as just like a full fledged faction just walking to the ring, and we get a freeze frame of you in the middle. Did you keep the bat? Is the important question. Oh, you bet. It's my yeah. signature weapon. And that's also it may be on fire like Ghost Rider. Of course Rider. it is. Of course it is. <laughs> and so we see you. We see your eight zombies. Father Facebreaker uh, is right next to you as your second in command. You're big. You're the diesel to your Shawn Michaels. <laughs> and we see this and that's the closing shot. And that's that's Sangre Mascaras. <laughs> oh, that game was very, very good. <laughs> I can't believe you just pinned him. Hey, man. You do what works. You do what works. I didn't just pin him. I hooked the tights. <laughs> I know. It's it's so funny because I plotted out this whole scenario and I was like, and it never occurred to me that that match could just end in a pinfall. That's very good. You did say, what's funny is that you did say, uh, the minute you said cage match and you're like, no holds bar. I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and my first thought was escape the cage. And I'm like, no, wait. No, he said it, he said it was like a cell. So there's a top to it. And I went, hmm, all right. <laughs> so I'm so just good. like- just going from the next one move to the next. It's, and it's so like, good. I was also expecting, if you were going to pull out the thing where that, you know, it's the bullshit WWE version where you can signal for the door to be opened, I was going to, like, attempt to dive and kick the door into your face, mm. but, hey. See, what I was, what I, what I, what I, what, what was going to happen if at any point you hit the cage, and I kind yeah. of gestured at it a little bit with the cages starting to spark, was this mm-hmm. was an ex- this was actually an exploding an exploding <laughs> ring cage match? Oh my god, Terry Funk would be proud of us. Uh, that was very that was <laughs> a good game. That was a very good game. 
Thank you so much for coming on the show and playing it with me. This was a blast. No worries, man. This felt very good to dip into that particular world. Oh, my goodness. I loved it. So, real quick, before we wrap up, where can people find you and your work online? All right. So, if you wanted to follow me on Twitter, you'll see me at Lokified, L-O-K-I-F-I-E-D. Same on Instagram. I post a lot of uh, 35mm film shots from my local wrestling shows that I attend. I take a couple of cameras that are older than I am. Uh, and uh, a Soviet flash that will blind anyone who touches it incorrectly. Uh, and I take it to my local shows to shoot things the way they used to shoot them. And then if you wanted to follow my podcast, it's at The Math of You, also themathofyou.com. Normally, when we're not on hiatus, I'm posting episodes every couple of weeks. And yeah, you should drop by. There are a, There's no specific wrestling examples, but wrestling comes into it in, I swear, at least half of the episodes. So if you wanted some more good wrestling action, you can do so. I was also recently on a podcast called The NXT Wrestling Fan or The Next Wrestling Fan, run by a couple of friends of mine, uh, Miles Schneiderman and Megan Bob, which, I mean, we were talking about early NXT uh, in the pre-show. And I was a guest on there, and it was really, really fun, and they're just starting. So I want to give them a bump oh, yeah. and uh, let people know to go and check them out. I think they're only about 10 episodes in, but it's very good for new wrestling fans. So if you like this, and I'm sure you did, then you can go over there for more wrestling action. Excellent. Please, please do that. I'll have a link to there in the show notes as well. Oh, this was very, very fun. Thank you so much for doing the show. I loved every single minute of this. And uh, for now, I'm going to throw it over to me in the future so that you can wrap up with the show. Take a future me. Thanks, past me. And thanks again to Lucas for coming on to the show. That game was an absolute delight. Be sure to check the show notes for more information on Sangre Mascaras, on Rain on a Conga Drum, a town Zanzant RPG collection currently on Kickstarter. Uh, and be sure to check out The Math of You. And last but certainly not least, follow Lucas on Twitter at Locified. Then while you're on Twitter, follow us at Party of One Pod. Like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash Party of One Podcast. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, a few ways that you can support it are by going on to the podcast review platform of your choice, whether that is Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podchaser, Podbean, wherever you listen to podcasts, there's probably a review function. Give us a nice review that helps new listeners find the show and just makes my day a little bit better. Uh, you can also financially support the show as well as the games I produce, articles I publish, all that kind of stuff at patreon.com slash jeffstormer, ko-fi.com slash jeffstormer, or paypal.me slash jeffjstormer, because jeffstormer is taken. And lastly, you can support the other podcast I produce, All My Fantasy Children, which is a character creation, storytelling, and world-building podcast on the One Shot Podcast Network, in which my best friend Aaron Catano Saez and I take listener-submitted prompts, we spin them into original characters, and we populate a shared universe one story at a time. New episodes drop every Friday-ish at oneshotpodcast.com. And yeah, that's how you support the show. Uh, Party of One is, of course, produced and edited, as always, by Jeff Stormer and Jen Frank. All music for the show comes from the song Infinite Lives by Mega Ran, featuring the D&D Sluggers. If you'd like to inquire about advertising rates coming onto the show or about press coverage, you can email me at partyofonepodcast at gmail.com. And I think that's it for me. Uh, until next time, thank you so much for listening. Remember to fight the forces of fascism every single day. Remember that self-love and self-care are radical and defiant acts of resistance. And as always, party on, everybody. <laughs>